<laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. You people think you're so clever by tuning in, don't you? Well, you are. You're clever, you're smart, you're beautiful. I mean, God, what else? I don't know. Bored, lonely, tired, angry. Okay, anyways. Welcome to Current Events. Uh, as you know, if you listen to the show, you know that I respect my listeners. I don't waste your time with a bunch of stuff. But give me 10 seconds. Number one, in this episode of Current Events, there are a couple very special things happening. Number two, there's been recent evolution with this show. New bits evolve structure. Also, there's a new face sitting in front of me. She has a microphone in front of her face. Carly. Oh yes, number three, last announcement. The structure of today's show will be more or less the new structure of this podcast. What is that? I don't know. It's evolving. Who knows? I don't know. Are you ready, Carly, to do a show called Current Events, Cathedral Current Events, loved and adored by those all around the world? I'm, I'm preparing myself now. <laughs> You're preparing yourself. Yeah, and how do you do that? You don't. You just sit down and start talking. Three, two, one. There you go. Everybody at home, are you ready to be entertained? I am. Are you ready to be entertained, Carly? I know I'm going to be entertained, Cheryl. Yay! That's the kind of attitude we need around here, people, so take notes. We start off the show this week with This Week in History. So precious, isn't it? I thought of that all by myself. September 7th, 1978. The Who's drummer, Keith Moon, a Virgo, died in London of an overdose of a drug he was prescribed to combat alcoholism. Being a rock and roll fan, I thought it was kind of weird that I didn't know anything about Keith Moon's death. Do you want to hear a little bit about Keith Moon's death briefly? Are you talking to me or everyone? (laughs) I guess you. I think I can speak for everyone when I say... Speak for everyone. Absolutely. Great. Yes. I am on the edge of my... Carpet. Carpet. (laughs) Okay. According to Mark Blake at Loudersound.com, whatever the hell that is... On September 6, 1978, Paul McCartney threw a party at the Covent Garden Diner Peppermint Park to celebrate what would have been Buddy Holly's 42nd birthday. Keith Moon initially told his girlfriend, Annette Waiter Sung, he didn't want to go to the party. And she was like, get your shit, we're going to the party. And he was like, okay, well, I'm going to need some cocaine. And she was like, cool. They like went to the party and it was the premiere of the Buddy Holly story movie. Keith was like crying at the movie premiere. So they, like, went home or whatever. Annette remembered Keith, quote, taking his usual glass of water and bucket of pills before falling asleep around 4 a.m. She, like, heard him snoring or whatever, and so she was like, fuck this, I'm gonna go sleep on the couch. And then um, after she woke up, she went back in the bedroom, and she found Moon lying on his stomach with his left arm hanging over the side of the bed. And she was like, I couldn't hear him breathing, so I knew that he was dead. So he died that night after the Buddy Holly party that Paul McCartney threw. He was 32 years old. Can you believe that? I can't believe that. 32. Okay. It was that arm that really gave it away, huh? (laughs) Yeah. Because it's scary to hang your arm over the side of the bed. All right. So September 7th, 1996, rapper Tupac Shakur, California love. (laughs) 
and record company executive Suge Knight were shot while driving in Las Vegas, and Shakur died six days later. And I drove through that intersection in Vegas, and I was like, Tupac. It's a big intersection. How old were you in 1996? I was in sixth grade. <laughs> I was 17. <laughs> that night, Tupac died, actually. I went to my friend's house named Shannon, who loves the podcast. Hey, Shannon. Remember when Tupac died, Shannon? And we went to your house, and we were, like, pouring alcohol in honor of Tupac. And it was me, Sue Ann, Shannon, all my friends from high school. It was great. Florida times. I remember just everything on MTV always, and that this was, like, what, years and years later when I was was an uncool millennial just oh, yeah. watching VH1 pop up videos pop up videos and behind the music stories and every once in a while I would watch MTV when I was <laughs> like in between Daria takes and yes Tupac was everything actually <laughs> actually I have a story about Suge Knight, the guy who was shot with Tupac. And this is a big story, okay? If you listen to the show, you know I lived in L.A. for like 18 years. Like the heart of L.A., right? Me and my friend Kathleen, we were like in this punk band, whatever. It's kind of like Bikini Kill, but like psychedelic. It was like Bikini Kill meets Jefferson Airplane. Anyways, we were at the mall and the pet store. And it was like early 2000s where like they still had like puppies in the mall and shit. Like before that shit was like illegal. And like, I mean, even though it was sad, of course, but we were like, let's go look at the puppy. <laughs> like, do I try and feel better? I really don't know. It was like 2000. Anyways, we were like looking at the puppies or whatever, and um, we turn around to leave, and we see these four guys surrounding us, and they are each holding like four boxes of tennis shoes, and they're surrounding us, and we were like, hey, and they're like, what are you guys doing? We're like, nothing. And it was show <laughs> night, and his friends, and they were trying to pick us up at the mall. But I was like, holy fuck, that Suge Knight motherfucker. And she's like, I know. Oh, my God. It was crazy. It was like, what? It was pretty crazy. And then you went to Claire's and got your ears pierced. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Okay, on to the birthdays. These Virgos, are you ready to go down a trip of this crazy Virgo lane? Starting with Keanu Reeves. Side note. What? We're in Libra season. Oh, <laughs> right. So, these Virgos <laughs> slash Libras. No, it's true. Okay, September 2nd, 1964, age 55 years old, Keanu Reeves. Do you like Keanu Reeves? You know what? I had really mixed feelings about him for some reason. Why? Um, I can't believe... They say that he's the only celebrity that no one dislikes. You, you dislike him. Interesting. Explain to the world. I, I just don't know what to say. Come just, on. What? He has those black eyes, and mm. I can't really feel... I, I don't really understand what his situation is. Do you think he's an alien? Not that there's anything wrong with aliens. Reptilian? I think he might be, a, <laughs> like, have at least half reptilian. Interesting. Do you think he's evil, like a demon? I can't tell. That's the okay. thing. I don't... I okay, can't. it's something. So he's on your watch list. See, I have a watch list of celebrities, and you know this. <laughs> we go into depth, I just get talking and I can't stop. Now he's on your watch list. Interesting. Keanu. I will say he made uh, an appearance in a movie, a, a rom-com, a new rom-com. Oh, that means romantic comedy. Called Definitely Maybe on Netflix. Mm. And he played up this like washed up, like scruffy haired kind mm. of hot mess actor. And I really liked him then. Really? So I, I think it might be turning around for me. I like how he how persistent he is oh. um, with his career. I mean, you know, he just keeps going. 
but I don't I don't trust those big um, black shark eyes of his. Whoa. God, I mean, that was some pretty, like, heavy shit you just laid on everybody. Like, <laughs> let's just take a minute. They do say that Keanu is the one celebrity that everybody loves. Interesting. Okay, well, you heard it here first. You know what? I think in a couple episodes down the road, I think we're going to read off our celebrity watch list. So, Mom doesn't trust Brad Pitt. You don't like Keanu Reeves. Not one bit. So, coming soon. Here we go. You'll like this one. September 4th, 1981. Beyonce. When I say Beyonce, what do you think of? Bay. <laughs> when I hear Beyonce, what do I think of? I don't want to tell the people what you're thinking of. <laughs> okay, we'll just move on. She's 38 years old. Good for her. September 6, 1971. Oh, yes. Every time one of her songs comes on at work, I think too soon. Dolores O'Riordan, the singer of the 90s band The Cranberries. Oh, that's too soon. I, that actually yeah. makes me sad. I know. That's what I said. Like, right when it, when it comes on at work or, like, where I hear it, I think too soon. Like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to go there yet. <laughs> I'm not ready for that. Okay, yes, there was two different reports about her death. She supposedly drowned in a bathtub as a result of intoxication from alcohol. And the what? other... And the other report was that she died of uh, purposeful fentanyl poisoning, suicide. So, what happened? Nobody knows. I wasn't there. Oh, yes. September 13th, 1977. Fiona Apple. My girl. Age 41. Ah, we're the same age. Fiona Apple was introduced to the music industry in 1994 when she gave a demo tape containing the songs, quote, Never a Promise, Not One of Those Times, and He Takes a Taxi, to her friend, who was the babysitter for music publicist Catherine Schenker. Schenker then passed the tape along to Sony music executive Andy Slater. Apple's abilities captured his attention, and Slater signed her to a record deal. In 1996, Apple's debut album title was released and sold 2.7 million copies and was certified three times platinum. At the 1997 MTV Music Video Awards, Apple accepted the MTV Music Video Award for the Best New Artist for her song Sleep to Dream, great song, great album. During her acceptance speech, she said... I don't know if I can really portray how emotional she was (laughs) when she made this speech. I do remember that she was wearing a white dress that was sleeveless. Oh, okay. And she was clutching the award with both hands. What do you think her body language was saying? The women and the men of the world to listen to her, to what she had to say. And this right, is what she say? and this is what she said. She said, This world is bullshit and you shouldn't model your life. Wait a second. No, you shouldn't model your life about what you think and what you think is cool and what we're wearing and what we're saying and everything. Go with yourself. <laughs> now we hear some version of that speech all the time and all the award shows now, but this one was made, made people, I remember everyone just thought she was batshit crazy, which yeah. honestly, to be honest with you, I think that she's a little unhinged and that's beautiful and that's who she is. Yeah. And she's a very emotional person and she really ran with what she had to say and she was very passionate about it and she always is always that way. Now, no, Cheryl, do you think that the world is bullshit? <laughs> Yes. Do you think that you should model your life? Wait a second. (laughs) You should model your life. I understand all that. Fiona. (laughs) About what Fiona Apple thinks is cool and what she's wearing and what she's saying. No. Is she part of the Illuminati? 
No. Fiona Apple is not a part of the Illuminati, and I don't think Rob Lowe is either. Mom watches The View every morning, and I'm like out like doing stuff in the house or whatever, hanging pictures or whatever. I don't even know what I do. And like The View will be on. And I listened to an interview with Rob Lowe, and I thought, hmm, I don't think he's in the Illuminati. So here we go. Fiona Apple, yes. Five out of five stars. She was really ins- inspirational to me mm. as a, an uncool teen, mm. and title really, really yeah. changed me. My emotional well-being. You're going to love this. September 14th, Amy Winehouse. If she were alive on September 14th, she would have been 35. Damn. Yeah, she and I are almost exactly the same age. Just like me and Fiona Apple. When I say Amy Winehouse to you, boom. I go back to a time in my life in the 2000s where Amy Winehouse and her fashion sense and her cool like 60s soul music and British accent, I guess, maybe, because I I did have like a British thing for a couple years. Um, A good friend of mine and I started wearing winged eyeliner. We started wearing it, and at the same time, we also started wearing skinny jeans. And, Mm. like, way back in the day, wearing skinny jeans. You used to make your own skinny jeans. We would have to get our sewing machine out and, like, sew our pants in from the inseam to make them tighter. That's big. (laughs) I started wearing winged eyeliner, and I did it for a solid ten years. Ten years! I feel like I'm going to put in a sound effect. (laughs) Dun-dun-dun-dun! Ten years you wore winged eyeliner. Okay, that's really the whole purpose of why we did the show. I was just waiting for that. Okay, moving on. Oh, yes, this is mildly interesting. I mean, my standards are high for the show, I guess. I don't know. God. September 19th, 1941. Cass Elliot, singer and member of the Mamas and Papas. Here we go. Here's Cass Elliot two weeks before her death. Here's here's one bright, warm, talented lady whom we're always delighted to welcome back. Here's Cass Elliot. Rodney and I both brought our mothers with us today. My mother is here. Where are you? Her mom's there. Are you crocheting? Oh, hello there. Would you stand up and take a bow on camera? Go on. Look, there's Mama Cass's mom. Whoa. Mama Cass's mama. Yeah. And the guy goes, that's the real Mama Cass. And everybody goes, ha, 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 Okay, uh, September 21st is him, 1950. Oh, yes, this is interesting. He's 68 years old. I bet my life that everybody listening is going to like what I'm about to read. This is from BuzzFeed, Jen Lewis. Bill Murray nearly drowned after Hunter S. Thompson tied him to a chair and threw him in a swimming pool. Bill Murray was offered the role of Forrest Gump but turned it down. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> That would have been so bad. I don't want to see Bill Murray as... Forrest. Ugh. Okay. When he was 20, Murray was arrested after trying to smuggle nine pounds of marijuana through O'Hare Airport. That's a lot of... a lot. I want to know exactly what he was trying to... Like, what his game plan was. I think he was going to slang that dope. He was going to sell it. He's a cool guy. He yeah. can sell anything. He doesn't have to sell marijuana. 
<laughs> he could sell uh, lemonade. He could sell lemonade. He could sell the rings for the shower rings. <laughs> door to door. <laughs> door to door. Bill Murray accidentally broke Robert De Niro's nose in 1993. There you go. Dun, 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 dun. Moving on. September 22nd, 1957, Nick Cave, mm. the Black Angel, the Dark Angel, Nick Cave, precious. He's 62. Let's lighten the mood a little with a little Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, no. I don't know about that. I do, because I know what will make it okay. Goop. <laughs> no! <laughs> September 27th, she is 47 years old. I got a few things to say about Gwyneth Paltrow. We've talked about Gwyneth Paltrow at length before. Okay, her and Brad Pitt used to date. Now, remember how I told you how he stood up to Harvey Weinstein for Gwyneth Paltrow when they were dating? Before Brad Pitt was even famous, in an interview with Howard Stern on Wednesday, Gwyneth Paltrow recounted when Weinstein allegedly sexually harassed her in a hotel room in 1995. Asking her to give him a massage, Weinstein denied. Paltrow, who was dating Brad Pitt at the time, told the New York Times back in October that she immediately told her boyfriend what happened. Pitt decided to confront Weinstein when all three were attending the opening of Hamlet on Broadway. Quote, it was like the equivalent of throwing him against the wall energetically, Paltrow revealed. It was so fantastic. He leveraged his fame and power to protect me at a time when I didn't have fame or power yet. He said, quote, if you ever make her feel uncomfortable again, I'll kill you. Brad Pitt. I can clap to that. He smokes pot and he's a painter. What's not to love? Okay. Oh, yes. Moving on. The death and bad news section. Oh, it's already been pretty bad news. Bummersville. You don't even know, know Bummersville until right now. I don't want to be in Bummersville. No, 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 no. Turn it off. I can't do it. Okay. I can't. It's so sad. Some of you out there may recognize the music. Some of you may not. <laughs> Maybe try this again. That. Here we go. True love no. I can't. <laughs> I can't. Daniel Johnston, people. It's Anyways. too much. It's too soon. I don't know what to say. It makes yeah. me really sad. Let's you know? revisit it next week. Because I want to talk about Daniel Johnson, but I feel like I can't right now. Just look up Daniel Johnson if you don't know who he is. And then next episode, maybe we'll do like a bi-weekly thing. I don't know. We'll just see what's up. But we'll talk about Daniel Johnson next week. Can we just move on? It's just too much. I'm not ready, Cheryl. <laughs> okay. Eddie Money. Mm. You're... You probably don't like Eddie Money. I don't really know if I have an opinion on Eddie okay, Money. Okay, I'm going to give you... Okay, here's... We're going to see if you like Eddie Money right now. He's right. dead of esophageal cancer. Okay, here we go. Mm. Yeah. Feel it? Just like wait till his vocals come in. What do you think? I'm not really sold on it yet. Okay, there's like a huge truck driving by because we're in the mountains of North Carolina. There are trucks that go through the mountains, underneath the mountains, and you can hear it. Really? <laughs> okay, here we go. Just feel it. Any money. Just that name. 
I'm just kidding. I don't give a shit about any money. I just like. I don't know. I thought it would be funny. Okay, well, what is he trying to say with his... Obviously, Eddie Money is not his real name. His name is probably, like, Derek... David. Derek Watterson. <laughs> yeah. Derek Watterson. <laughs> I don't know. Derek Look, Peterson. Wait, here's the, the hook. Third. If you don't like the hook, you don't like Eddie Money. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah, I think we want to hear that voice a little bit louder. <laughs> yeah, it's like, God damn. Okay, do you like any money? I think I could get down with any money in um, a really specific um, place and time and <laughs> right. state of mind. Sure, okay, hey, that's great. Okay, other people who have died of esophageal cancer, Humphrey Bogart, he's famous for uh, being in Casablanca. He and Ingrid Berman had a wild love affair on the set of Casablanca. Robert Kardashian died of esophageal cancer. He was an American attorney and businessman. He gained national recognition as O.J. Simpson's BFFL and his defense attorney during Simpson's 1995 murder trial, which Mom and I are experts on the whole O.J. Simpson trial. Tune in to older episodes. Uh, of course, he's the father of the Kardashians. Have you ever seen an episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians? There's no judgment. I haven't. <laughs> okay. I'm not kidding. Some people believe that Robert Kardashian is the one that threw away O.J. Simpson's duffel bag containing the murder weapon and the bloody clothes. You know, something interesting actually just happened. Ooh, this will be good. I'm holding on to my horses. Okay. The Emmys, which I missed, which I'm pretty upset about, actually. Two of the Kardashian girls, like, got laughed at on the stage in front of everybody in the Emmys. Do you want to see, like, if they did or whatever? Let's just see what all the fuss was about. It was like, you know, let's just see. I mean, let's just see. Okay, you ready? This is at the Emmys. Our family knows firsthand how truly compelling television comes from real people just being themselves. Telling their stories unfiltered and unscripted. From real people just being themselves. Telling their stories unfiltered and unscripted. You know what? What? Were they just trying to make a joke and no, like it they didn't were land? Serious. Who wrote that script for them? Somebody but, trying to make fun of them? Here's the deal. Even if they wrote the script to make fun of them or to be serious, they thought it was for real. That's really sad. Are they living in a reality? They're living in their reality that they as we all are. I'm living in my reality. You're living in your reality. But their reality just happens to be like them paying to get things that I don't know that they want and they want to be famous but they're yeah. not famous for the right reasons I feel like no. I feel like they're famous for having money and yeah, I mean Khloe Kardashian has that makeup line and she's really successful with it their empire is an empire it's a business empire but like why are they even on the Emmys because they have a TV show and it was Emmys is for TV I mean I know what you mean but that's why Okay, but what other reality stars are on the Emmys? I don't know. I missed it, unfortunately. Is that even a thing, you know? I mean, I love award shows because I like all the occult symbolism. I just missed it. Okay, let's just move on. Oh, yes, and Anne Ramsey, the grandma from the Goonies, died of esophageal cancer. Oh, yes. God, this is, like, getting depressing. I don't even want to talk about this. Let's just move on. Oh, God, no. Moving on. 
What? I'm just gonna say one. I'm just gonna skip some deaths. That no, just go through them really quick. We'll just okay, like, rip okay. off the band aid. Okay, so I, I'm putting the band aid on, and um, okay. I'm gonna like rub it into like the hairiest part of my arm, and then you can just. Are you ready? Rip it off. Rick Okasik, lead singer of the Cars, dead in New York at 75. David Berman, go. I can't. It's too. Or it's too, too soon. soon. The acclaimed singer, songwriter, and poet best known for his indie rock band, The Silver Jews, died August 7, 2019. It was suicide due to hanging. One more in the death and bad news section. I'm only going to mention this once. You probably won't know what I'm talking about, but maybe some people will. Jeffrey Epstein's death. Quickly, I've been following Jeffrey Epstein for years. Years! Everybody who knows me knows that I've been following Jeffrey Epstein and saying what Jeffrey Epstein's doing. Nobody believed me. I was crazy. That's all I'm going to say. I'm too afraid of Jeffrey Epstein to even talk about it. What? I'll tell you sometime about Jeffrey Epstein. If you get me drunk enough, I'll explain to you Jeffrey Epstein. Okay, so on to the next part of the podcast. This is a pre-recorded thing. You guys, this is super special. This was going to be a 9-11 special originally because I wrote the show like around 9-11, but then like stuff happened and I don't even know. But anyways, so there's a bit coming up called Conspiracy Checkpoint. And here it is. And it's the first thing that Carly and I ever recorded together. And it's Did Back to the Future Predict 9-11? Now, I recommend before listening to this bit that you go to the description and click and watch the video, Did Back to the Future Predict 9-11? And then move on to our conspiracy checkpoint. Oh, here comes the rain on the tin roof in a North Carolina mountain town in a motorhome in a closet. Now, what you're hearing right now is some new kind of music. It's something that I wrote a long time ago, and I decided to use it for this bit, and this bit is called Conspiracy Checkpoint. Precious. Okay, let me just set the scene. I'm sitting in my closet with a light and, like, stuff on the wall, and there's a human in the closet. Her name is... Carly. Yay! Carly, that's right. Conspiracy Checkpoint. Carly, how do you feel right now? I feel pretty good. There are lots of things in this closet to look at, and I'm really excited to talk about the conspiracy. Yay! Okay, well, let's get right to it, because, you know, we don't like to waste people's time with a bunch of BS. So, we just watched a video, did Back to the Future predict 9-11? Now, let's just get right to it. I've been waiting for this moment for months. I've been telling everybody, did you see the video, Back to the Future predict 9-11, blah, 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 and everybody's like, no. And I'm like, God, can't anybody watch it? I have someone in my closet right now in front of the mic that just watched it. Conspiracy Checkpoint with Carly. What are your thoughts on the video of Did Back to the Future Predict 9-11? I have a lot of questions. Okay. Um, I have a whole lot of questions about it. Mm. I consider myself an uncool millennial. Um, So I I was Mm. able to see this video uh, a few years ago, uh, closer to when it came out. I think maybe... Maybe it was AOL Instant Messenger or like maybe it was Facebook. I don't know. Maybe I got it in my mailbox from a thread from my my cool friends that (laughs) that sent emails to me sometimes. Maybe it was uh, somebody that was trying to impress me that I never met. Right, like trying to woo you over the mail. Really cool, like band message boards were my thing, so it might have been on that. Gosh, man, you were just everywhere. I have a lot of questions about it, though. What's your biggest question about the Back to the Future Predict 9-11 video? 
what does this have to do <laughs> with teen heartthrobs? <laughs> okay. I don't know what that means, but boy, am I pondering it. Basically, you just want to look at Michael J. Fox all day. Basically, Michael J. Fox was my first TV crush, um, Alex P. Keaton. Mm, so did you like Michael J. Fox or Alex P. Keaton? Which one did you like? I think I liked Alex P. Keaton. Why? I don't remember. I think he just seemed like a, a good kid. <laughs> okay. Family ties, you know. No, he was but, very entertaining. He always had something going on. Like, he always would come into a room and be like, oh, my God. He'd be, like, totally coked up because he was shooting Back to the Future at the same time as shooting Family Ties. And he admittedly did a bunch of blow. So he would just come into the room. You like, you like that. Just come in the room and, hey, everybody, what's going on? And he was just on blow the whole time. You were into that. What can I say? I'm attracted to people that don't have their shit together. <laughs> Sorry, Ma. But he had his shit together in the show. Interesting. He was very put together in the show. So I'm going to counter that. Mm-hmm. I think that you like people that have their shit together because you were into Alex P. Keaton and not Michael J. Fox. I should really start thinking about my, my younger preteen self and what I was att attracted to. <laughs> yeah. Um, now as an adult woman. Right. It's interesting. It's all there. Okay. Anyways, by God, back to the video. What do you think? What part? I feel like there are like all right, 35 all right. You're parts right. of this video. Let me ask a better question. Uh, do you think that Robert Zemeckis, the director and writer of Back to the Future trilogy, do you believe that he was predicting 9-11 or giving a warning or some kind of art something with 9-11. Maybe he has some psychic energies that he was tapping into. Okay, so you... To warn the people. But I don't feel necessarily, I'm not 100% sold that he understood himself what energies he, he was communicating to the world. See, this is why Carly is good for Conspiracy Checkpoint, because I go from between... Uh, all the elite have been practicing Satanism since the 70s, and it's all a cult. 9-11 was a huge occult ritual. Excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I want to talk about the monolith. Now, I've seen 2001 Space Odyssey probably 50 times. I don't understand the whole thing at all. I've had to watch videos on explaining the movie to me, and I still don't really understand it. But what I've heard it was about is kind of like what the video said which we'll be linking the video in the description so you guys can watch and make up your own minds and write in. I mean, shit, I want to know what people think, but how the monolith, how, you know, at the beginning of 2001 Space Odyssey, actually, I used to work at this rehab with teenagers and the girl who like answered the phone up front, she was like 19. She was like, hey, like very like West Side LA, you know, very good girl. Like I really liked her a lot. And uh, one day we were talking about 2001 Space Odyssey at work. And she goes, oh, um, you know that part where the, where the monkey, like, throws up the bone and it, like, changes into the spaceship? And I was like, yeah, that's, like, one of the most, like, classic scenes in cinema. And she's like, oh, my dad thought of that. <laughs> I was like, oh, cool. Because <laughs> it was, like, in Brentwood, you know? In L.A., whatever. <laughs> but anyways. <laughs> anyways. Uh, the monolith. Yeah, I don't, I don't freaking know where I'm going with this. All I know is that Kubrick was supposedly telling the tale of how dangerous it would be, like the screen, on how it could manipulate brainwash or society views and blah, blah, blah. 
so yeah, I mean, what do you think about that part, how it was saying touching film? I thought that was very interesting. The scenes where he touches film to go to the other reality. Opening the portal yes. of our um, consciousness? <laughs> yes. Thank you, yes. Um, that, okay, so if I'm really thinking about what what really made me um, not kind of nervously laugh, that, <laughs> okay. uh, that made me feel other kinds of things that were questioning how I really understand that film and that idea, that little conspiracy. The portal, opening the portals by touching the film, by touching yourself again, by touching the film. <laughs> she's, see here, this is, she's making fun of the video because it repeats things, which I like. It makes me smile. But it's the best part. It is the best part. But what do you think of that? Um, I think that there's a lot that you can can say about today's culture and about how we kind of live inside a TV these days and, uh, you know, go home, get off work, go home, watch The Bachelor in Paradise. Zombified <laughs> and hypnotized and believing whatever's there on the screen rather than asking questions and educating yourself. And, and then go home and then have the weekend and then go to a movie <laughs> and then come back. With a screen. Like, where are we in Look that? at your phone. That's a monolith. An iPhone is, is the monolith. So do you think that Robert Zemeckis knew about 9-11 and predicted it vaguely through Back to the Future? I think the answer is watching the other movie that came out in October of 2015 that <laughs> was the other connection. The Walk. The Walk. Right. Doi. I think the answer is in The Walk. D-O-I. the second teen heartthrob that we have. I don't like him. <laughs> I, I don't, don't like the guy this. that plays in The Walk. Is that why you didn't watch it? Probably. Yeah, I gotta like think somebody's hot or something. Oh, God. Okay, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Never heard of him. Are you kidding? It's the guy from The Walk. Oh, my God. Okay. Are you familiar with the 90s sitcom? I'm listening. Third Rock from the Sun. Oh, yeah. Tom, Dick, and Harry? I was a little too old for that. See, Carly, she's six years younger than me, and it doesn't seem like a lot, but here's the deal. She's the oldest a millennial can get, so she's right on the cusp of <laughs> millennial. You. No, no, no. It's good. <laughs> Hold on. I've been meaning to look this up for 10 years. What fucking generation I, am okay, I? Okay. I really prefer to be called, uh, and I decided this in the car today. Oh, interesting. But I, I would really prefer to be called the uncool millennial. Um <laughs> Rather than the old millennial. Okay, I'm Generation Y. So you're right on the cusp. You're the old, uh, the uncoolest millennial at 35, but you're, you're the youngest a Generation Y can be. And I am full on Generation Y to the core, okay? It's like gnarly. So you're a good mix. You know, she's, you know, therapized, educated, like blah, 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 like all the millennials are. But I did go to a roller rink. When I was in high school, I would go to the roller rink with my friend, and my friend would we would use her beeper to get a ride <laughs> instead of taking the payphone and calling my parents on the payphone. And at, parents and, are stupid, you know, letting it ring, hanging up when he's like, "Mom, pick me up. Thanks, bye." Before mm. you pay for it, do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, the collect calls. One eight hundred collect. The collect calls. Mom, call yes, collect. Of course. Of or course. use your beeper. Mm. Either or, Damn. I remember, because I'm an uncool millennial. Right. At the roller rink. That was great. But I am... Let's let's go ahead and bring Conspiracy Checkpoint to the close. I'm a little sad. I'm a little sad that... Whenever I show people that did Back to the Future Predict 9-11 video, I want to see tears. I want to see people going, my God, I see the light now. 
yes, yes, yes. And uh, it just never happens. So that's my two cents. I'm sad. <laughs> I just have more questions than I really ever did before. Yeah, and I don't know. It's just horrifying. I just know that. I know that it's all horrifying. And uh, we'll never know the truth. Great Scott. <laughs> Okay, everybody, that's new music that you're hearing. And new music means a new spot. This is Ma's current event spot. Ma, are you pumped to be here? Can't, can't wait to get started. Yay! Ma's current event spot starts now. And Ma, you gave me some stories because I was like, hey, write down a couple of stories you're interested in. And do you want to just do the first one? The, quote, plane crash victim story, Mom. Why don't you just give your listeners a little bit uh, of info on the story? In 1971, there was an airplane that crashed in Peru on Christmas Eve. Mm. And it was uh, 82 people on board. Mm. And one woman came to... And she was the only survivor out of the 82 people. Here's her picture, Mom. Yeah. Out of uh, 82 people. And she was 17. She was traveling with her mother. And her mother, she never saw again. She has no idea Mm. what happened to her mother. She was, I guess, in the crash. She was... Oh, my gosh. Deceased. And all this woman got was a broken collarbone a gash on her leg, and a cut on her arm. Mm. And, of course, in the Peru Peruvian jungle, there's jaguars, there's... Panthers, lions, there's tigers, snakes, there's bugs, there's spiders. Right. She um, was there for 10 days until she was spotted by three forest workers. What happened during those 10 days, Mom? The plane crashed, and then, boom, she wakes up. What is she seeing? Um, she's, um, close to the plane. She's in part of the plane. And in one story I read, or the story that I saw on TV about this, uh, she had a broken pelvic bone and she was inside the plane, half in the plane and half out. And because of the broken bone, she couldn't, um, move very good. So she had to just pretty well stay there. Of the forest. What else, Mom? All this uh, jungle. She was in the jungle. (laughs) And then the other story I read that was on the internet, she was there uh, 10 days and that she was with her fiancé. So I don't know which story is absolutely correct. But that was one uh, problem she had after they found her. She said the things that were not true that they had been saying... Interesting. Um, you know, all about what happened to her and all well, that Well, they had stuff. said, you know, she was the only survivor out of the entire plane. And so she was there. Just sur- everybody was dead around her. Everybody. And she's... So yeah. can you imagine being half in, half out of plane and not being mobile and then having all these dead bodies around you sleeping in the jungle? I mean, can you imagine? That's the... That's the most psychological torturing thing. I mean, I don't know, not the most, but, but like, I mean, it's can a you imagine? fascinating story of why was she the only one to survive? Yeah. Why? 
Does she have survivor's guilt? What has she done with her life? Do people expect her to do stuff? She did have survivor's guilt in the article that I read. Gosh. But the one story that I want to talk about that is just thrilling yeah. is um, this woman that's a homeless woman in L.A., Los Angeles. Oh, yes. And she sings uh, a policeman heard her singing in the subway of L.A. She was singing an operetta. And he recorded her, and she is wonderful. Let's see. Here it is. She's the real deal. So now, this guy that saw this, a record producer, she's cutting a record. Oh, my Lord. He's going to record her. And people are sending in money. She's the real deal, Ma. Yeah. I'm, like, lost now. And she's a Russian lady. She's 52 years old, and she came here from Russia 28 years ago, and she taught violin and uh, piano. Mm. But she gave up teaching the piano, and she was just teaching the violin. Because piano's boring. Somebody stole her violin, so that's how she became. Uh, and then she had medical problems, so that's where she ended up. It being can happen homeless. like that, to as anyone. she said. Yeah, as she said, she uh, seems like she's got high intelligence, and I just hope she makes a go. I don't think she's on drugs. They didn't say anything about that, whether she was or wasn't, but. Gave me the impression. I mean, she sometimes wasn't. good people get on drugs, you know. Right, but she didn't uh, seem to be that way to me. Good. But uh, so anyway, I'm going to follow her story. Me too, Mom. We'll good. follow it uh, next week yeah. for our next episode of Ma's Current Event Spot. Right. Okay. Now today we're not going to talk about the verdict or anything, but Dallas cop Amber Geiger gets hugged from Brotham Jean's brother is sentenced to 10 years in prison for fatally shooting her neighbor in his home. Brant Jean mom said to the Dallas cop, Amber Geiger, quote, I love you as a person. I don't wish anything bad on you. He said to the 31-year-old Geiger before asking the judge, quote, I don't know if this is possible, but can I give her a hug? End quote. The judge said he could, and Brant and Geiger stood up, met in the front of the bench, and embraced while Geiger cried. Judge Tammy Kemp also hugged Geiger before she was led from the courtroom. And gave her a Bible. I didn't know the judge... Um, well, they uh, some of these prosecutors, these talking heads that are on TV, said yeah. that could be an appeal point. Interesting. Because she's uh, a judge. She would appear not to be uh, impartial. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know that the judge hugged her. But anyways, what I wanted to focus on is what do you think about um, the victim's brother hugging... Geiger. Uh, I put him on a pedestal. Yeah, you saw it go uh, down. Yes, I think it's, I don't think I could do that. But you never know till you're in that kind of situation. But the whole family is uh, religious, and the guy that was murdered, he uh, was very active in his church. And um, they were, they're all just good, just good people. And um, I think it took a lot for him to come forward to tell her, you know, I'm praying for you, and yeah. I don't want to see you go to prison and that kind of thing. Yeah. But yet, he knew that she deserved some punishment. 
Yeah, um, and you know, mom's Methodist. I was raised Methodist. I don't consider myself um, like religious, but I'm definitely spiritual. Mom and I talk about spirituality all the time. I try to be the best person I can be, blah, blah, blah. And why I'm saying that is because a lot of people call themselves Christians and they judge people and they talk bad about people and they talk bad about people. And this guy, he is what I think a Christian is. Yeah, he's a victim. It was his brother that was killed, but yet the one that murdered his brother, he's able Forgiven to say... publicly. Forgive you. But How I'm sure huge is that? prayed and prayed about it. That's, um, well, here's the thing, Mom. Even if he doesn't feel that way, he he did a stand, a protest. He did yeah. a... You know, he probably does feel that way, but well, it's just amazing to me. I really respect that guy is what I'm well, saying. Well, then the father and their attorney uh, was on a talk show, and in the jailhouse or the... Uh, at outside the courthouse, uh, Mama and Daddy and these people were not happy that the young man had done that, the, their son. But the I dad, don't blame them. The dad, they interviewed him later, and uh, we can't judge anybody. He said he was proud of his son that his son did that, and he said, uh, "I don't want her to rot in prison either." Yeah, the dad said that. Well, and, uh, I just really admire the brother. For just oh, yeah, I do too. really being like a leader and really just like, I, I mean, forward. to me, it was like, it kind of, whenever I heard he did that, it shook my whole day up. Like I thought, whoa, like it kind of made time stop. And I was like, whoa, like, let me just think about that for a minute. You know? Yeah, I'm, I'm proud of him. Me too. Uh, I don't know that I could have done it. Yeah. I, I just really think it's cool. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, do you have anything else to say? We're going to wrap up current events. Did you have another story you wanted to do, or yeah, what do you got on your notes, Ma? Unbelievable! I remember when it happened. What? It's uh, two officers in Texas riding on horseback mm. arrested a black man and um, put handcuffs on him, where he was uh, restrained between the two officers on horseback. Oh God! And he was they were walking down a main street in Texas, I think Houston. They're walking down the street, and the um, the black man, his family had said later, was mentally ill. Okay. But the two officers arrested him for something minor, like for walking while black, trespassing, or something like that, and. the camera showed it. He's walking. I mean, it was like it took place like back in the 1800s. Yeah. And this was so wrong. Mom's woke so now. wrong. She's woke. Wrong. Wrong. Woke. And um, the, their commanding officer, their boss, said that they used poor judgment, that they should have stayed in one spot and called a patrol car to come pick him up. Yeah. But instead, they had him walk down past people. Oh, my Lord. And the camera showed them. Oh, that's what you meant by the 1800s, the public shaming and the walking through. Like he was a slave or something. Yeah, Mom. Yeah, that's how it is out there. This was so... Did that just happen recently? uh, In the last couple months. Uh, But But it it just struck you. No, it just keeps coming up. They had it on TV. Yeah, I hope it keeps coming up. We'll bring it up too, Mom. Yeah. So we'll be, we'll follow these shows, or we'll follow these stories that you're interested in. I mean, just like we always have. Yeah. All right, do you have anything to say to your fans? You want to say bye? Do you want to say thank you? you, What do you want to say to your fans? They're all over. Nice talking to you folks, and see you next week. Yay.
Okay, let's move on. Oh, yes, this is the end of the show. Okay, this is huge, though, this part. What we're watching and doing. Hereditary. 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 It was... You know what? This is kind of like an like a, a thing that was big when it came out. And okay. everyone I know said, I don't know what to say about that movie. It was really good and it wasn't scary. And I watched it and it was straight up horror movie scary. Terrifying, kind of. I mean... You hit the nail on the head and I told this to mom today. You said it wasn't scary, but it was very sad. And it was so sad that it was horrifying. To, to me, my experience of it is it made me so sad that I felt scared and horrified. That's how sad it was. That was my experience. I think it was just very uncomfortable. Yeah. And there was no, there were like really no, no breaks in it. There were no breaks. It only got worse and worse. It was like yes. digging a hole and then... Digging a grave, getting in there, laying in there for <laughs> a while. And then beating yourself over the head to die in the grave. And then beating yourself over the head to die in the grave. And then yeah. having someone else dig you back up so you can, like, live a little bit longer. <laughs> that is, like, hereditary. <laughs> and then you get, like, you know, you feel better about life. And then you, you slowly somehow manage to find yourself back in that hole. God. <laughs> That's what it's like. The feelings that you're invoking right now is the feelings the movie makes you feel. Yes. You should be a movie review critic. It's like being stuck in a hole and digging a hole and then filling the hole. <laughs> okay. Okay. Moving on. Midsummer. And again, with the A24 company, don't get me started. Midsummer, five out of five stars. You don't rate as high as I do. Midsummer, how many stars? I would give it maybe five out of five stars. Whoa! Um, Why? What were your high points and low points? Well, I'm a really big sucker for for movies. No spoiler alerts either, so don't worry. That are truly, you know, aesthetically pleasing, and have beautiful colors and scenes and shapes and are like very specific and poignant with their style um and the director that also directed hereditary you know he just had makes beautiful movies and when they're beautiful like that it makes it so much creepier Mm, yes, because be of the um, put in what do they call that the juxtaposition. Such an uncomfortable world that is so beautiful at the same time. Put that in your pipe and smoke it, people. <laughs> it's true though. I freaked. I freaked as much as I could freak in a movie theater. Like I put my head down and went, "Oh my god!" Yeah, and that's big for me in a theater. For me to go, "Oh my god!" That's what I did during Midsummer. Any movie that give, that makes me think about it for days yeah. afterwards. Amen. Days. Yeah. I still think about Midsummer, that scene where I go, oh my God. I'm just going to say car. That's it. Uh, oh, yes. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Precious. My two baby bears rolling around <laughs> like Teddy Ruxpins. 
on a cute little bed with pillows everywhere. Whenever I think of Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio, that's what I think of. Two cute little teddy bears just rolling around together. Just looking cute and making me feel happy like a groundhog. Yes, God, this is like therapy. God, where are we? Once upon a time in Hollywood. What'd you think? It was like an adventure. Just like a really fun, fun time kind of adventure land. Mm, yeah, um, it was fun. Like, like whoa. It's like being in a fun house. Like, what's going to happen now? I didn't know where it was going for most of the movie. And that yeah. movie is like over two hours long. But I didn't care because I liked the world that I was living in. It was so good. And it was just like a period piece, of course. Last one, what we're watching and doing, Rocket Man. <laughs> Didn't know it was a musical. Oh, God. Whenever I found out it was a musical, I was like, I'm having a beer. <laughs> <laughs> How many stars do you give Rocket Man? Two. Yeah. There was some occult symbolism in it, but it was like child's play beginner stuff. It just wasn't that interesting. I feel like it was Elton John's final F.U. to everybody. I give the costume designer five out of five stars. Hmm. Um, I give the actual overall movie like two, a solid two, two and one third stars. Yeah, I feel that because it was entertaining, but in like a cheap sex sort of way or something like like oh okay like that's cool. Like, maybe I would go home and watch it on TV. No. Like, if it was on. No. But I don't think I would watch the whole thing. I would never watch it again. Even if it was just on TV and I was bored as hell. No. No. I mean, no. I know me. Okay, so no. Okay, our last little thing. The Connors. I'm not even going to say anything. I'm just going to wait till next week. With The Connors, check on an old episode, monoano.com, where... I went to a taping of the Connors, the happiest day of my life, where I shed a tear and everybody went, oh, the classic set with the classic blanket. I grew up on Roseanne. I have really uncomfortable feelings about Roseanne. As I. But. As I loved her. That family, they're doing their thing and they're doing mm. good. Oh, I'm announcing. We're on the announcement section. I'm announcing that I like Miley Cyrus. And we saw the music video, Miley Cyrus, Lana Del Rey, what that was the other, other one? Girl, Ariana Grande. Ariana Grande. <laughs> I mean, Ariana Grande-Grande-Dud. <laughs> Did you think there was occult symbolism in that music video? I think there was. Um, I'm the big occult like symbolism person. She's like the neutral person. So when I ask her that and she says yes, it's pretty big, right? That's fair. I think that's fair. Okay, what do you think of the video? Don't call me Angel. And it's about, you know, the the reboot of Charlie's Angels, which I think is unnecessary. <laughs> Charlie's Angels <laughs> is an unnecessary reboot. Okay. I, no. It's going to be so Pass. horrible. <laughs> yeah. P-A-double-S. Pass. I'll tell you quickly, the video is about Lana Del Rey playing Lucifer, the fallen angel. So there you go. Changed my mind. Anything, uh, oh yes, and Mom and I are doing the weekly Dancing with the Stars analysis and interpretation portion. Carly, do you have anything to say? Like, anything. Like, here we go. This is the end of the show. You just did, like, your first podcast. I mean, you've been on the radio and stuff, but, like, podcasts are different. They are different. 
and I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, yay! Can you guys at home hear the rain on the tin roof of the mobile home in the mountain North Carolina town? I know you can because I have all my earphones and I hear what you're hearing, people at home. Listen. Okay. Do you have anything else to say? No. That's it? Okay. Bye, everybody. What? The world's bullshit. <laughs> the world is bullshit. I think that I'm going to go write that on the back of my car in the dust. <laughs> Bye. Bye.